You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. I'm thankful to be here tonight. I'm thankful for Mother's Day. I uh, am one of those that was privileged to grow up in a Christian home, and uh, I was one of those going to church nine months before I was born, and uh, thank the Lord for that, and my mom wasn't perfect, but she loved the Lord, and she strived to serve him with her life, and I got to be her pastor for a lot of years, and um, thank the Lord for that, and it's also a special day for us because, well, about, uh, anyway, so many years ago, uh, (laughs) uh, actually, I was thinking about this. When I was a teenager, uh, in my family, we had five boys and one girl. My sister was the second oldest. And, you know, anyway, so I was the second to the youngest. And uh, my sister worked with a lady who had a little girl, and so she started babysitting her. This lady had cancer, and we ended up taking care of this little girl. She got to be like our little sister. And I remember as a little baby, she's probably about 12 months old, when her mother died that night. And I was taking care of her. That was pretty awesome. She was like my little sister. And from that point on, I always thought when I get married, I want a little girl. Yeah. And, uh, and so uh, that, that night, uh, so many years ago, anyway, uh, God, God answered our prayer. Back then, you know, we didn't know what was coming. We just took it, yeah. right, and stuff. And so anyway, and we're thankful for what God gave us. And it's been a roller coaster ride, amen. And uh, what I mean is, you know, it started at the top, and it just, it just is the fun part in all these years. And a couple of loops in there, but it's been a lot of fun and, and stuff. So I thank the Lord for our daughter, and she's a blessing. And uh, anyway, thank you for being kind to her. And uh, tonight I want to preach to you about a behavior that God has given us thorough instruction for. And uh, in order for us to have a good home, I think that's probably appropriate on a Mother's Day, in order for us to have a good home, we need to learn this, this behavior and we need to practice it. Do you want a good home? I mean, really, I, I don't know. You look around today and I'm not too sure that there's people that really actually want. I think there's some that don't even care whether or not their home is good or not. I think probably you're of the group that says, yes, I, I want to have a good home. But do you think it'll happen by accident or by plan? Do you think a good home act happens by accident? Isn't there a plan that we could find maybe in the word of God that would help us to have a good home? This behavior I'm work- talking about tonight, it'll actually work for every relationship that we, were in, we are in. And in fact, it works extremely well in a local church. The world has chimed in on the subject and you know what the world does? The world will mix worldly philosophy with maybe a couple of Bible truths and think that somehow they're fixing the situation. But they're doing what Jesus said in his time, that they're making the word of God of none effect. And uh, and certainly that's going on. We see a lot of that happening. The world talks about this thing called problem resolution and all that thing. But uh, what I want to talk to you tonight is, is about this thing called forgiveness. Forgiveness. Uh, Jesus, in what we're going to look at in Luke chapter 17, Jesus had been derided, the Bible says. He had been 
ridiculed and, and laughed at. He'd been derided by a group of Pharisees. And, uh, and so in response to that, it's really kind of interesting, he gives them the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man, he had it all, but he ended up in hell because he didn't have it all in the Lord. He didn't have the Lord Jesus Christ. But right after that, the Lord then turns his attention to his disciples. It's almost as if, in my mind, I think the disciples are watching what was going on with Jesus. They're kind of standing here, and, and here are the Pharisees, and here are the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're deriding him, and they're mocking him, and they're ridiculing him. And so the Lord gives them this truth about hell from the rich man and Lazarus, and then he turns to address the disciples about what they've just witnessed happening to him. And I ask you to stand with me to honor the reading of the word of God tonight. Luke chapter 17, and begin reading in verse number one. This is the Lord now speaking, turning to the disciples in this discussion. Then said he unto the disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him from whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. And then he says this. He gets really personal. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And I just, in my mind, I can see the apostles kind of looking around. And then they put on this holy face. Lord, increase our faith. It's kind of what I see. How important, by the way, is this forgiveness thing? You know, when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, did you know he taught them to pray? He said this, he said in Matthew 6, 12, in this model prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He goes on in that chapter to explain, if, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is a really important thing. Paul taught that uh, if, if there's a lack of forgiveness, Satan gets an advantage. You know, he's always looking for a way to get in and take advantage of us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 10 and 11, he says, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave it I in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. By the way, one of his devices is bitterness. Satan would love for you to let bitterness grow this giant tree in your life. We certainly know that bitterness can cause a lot of problems. In fact, if you think about this, we are commanded in God's word to let go of that bitterness, to forgive one another. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 31 and 32, let all bitterness, can I remind you that it says all? Yes. Let all bitterness and wrath 
and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, and here it is, forgiving one another. It's a command, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I can forgive you based on the fact that Christ has forgiven me. Listen, stop looking at the offender as the reason to forgive and remember that we're supposed to look at the Lord Jesus Christ as our reason to forgive. His forgiveness provides the opportunity for us to forgive each other. So our desire is to know God's plan for forgiveness, for dealing with offenses. And if, as our text says, this could happen seven times in a day, let's just think about this. Where is that likely, most likely to happen seven times in a day? Home. Home. Most likely to happen seven times in a day. Our homes should be a laboratory where these things are not only learned, but they're practiced and perfected. It's where it ought to be taking place. Before we send our children off to marry into other homes, other families, we need to make sure that they understand this and know this. Let's pray. Father, help us tonight. We need you, Lord. God, I pray for your filling. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. When problems come into our life and offenses in particular... Here is how we will naturally respond. We'll run. We'll fight. Quit. Blame. Accuse. Give up. Get depressed. Call Dr. Phil. Get on Twitter or Facebook. Keep it inside. I feel like we should warn people when they get married, especially wives, about this thing of keeping it inside. It's a very destructive behavior. None of these are biblical responses. Jesus gave us a very simple formula for dealing with offenses, and they will come. They will come. And we can act like they should not happen, It's amazing to me how they're trying to portray to our children today that we should live in an offense-free world. Sounds wonderful, but it ain't going to happen. That's right. Right? I mean, really, they're going to come. It's going to happen. Offenses are going to take place. We need to know what the Bible teaches for us to do. And so if thy brother, this is what Jesus said, if, our, if your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And, and, and there it is. That's like really deep, isn't it? That's like really, you know, really hard to remember. Forgive him. So the offense happens. You're the one who has been offended, so you're to... Do the rebuke. That's what the Bible teaches. You're the one who's offended, so you are to do the rebuke. You're not supposed to go to the pastor and get the pastor to do it for you. Hmm. 
The word for rebuke, by the way, means with honor or value. Now, in my mind, when someone says you can rebuke them, I'm thinking I can just let them have it. I can yell and scream and, you know, chew them out whoops, up one side and down another. But it, the word it means with honor or with value. It's not something you do because you're mad. It's something you do because you value the person you're talking to. This is kind of an interesting example, but Peter one day rebuked the Lord. Now, Peter was all wrong, but Peter didn't rebuke the Lord in a way where he was mad and angry and yelling and screaming at the Lord. In fact, he used the term Lord. He just didn't understand. He, he didn't understand the plan. Jesus said that, that he was going to give his life. He was going to be crucified and all of that. And, and Peter, you know, pulls him aside and said, Lord, that's not going to happen to you. I mean, I don't think Peter was being disrespectful in his tone or his attitude toward the Lord. He just didn't understand whose side he was on. What was Jesus' response? Get thee behind me, Satan. And then this is interesting. Jesus said, for thou art an offense. This is the terminology that's used here in this passage, the rebuke and the offense, right? Peter rebuked him and Jesus said, Peter, you got it all wrong. You're the offense. Yep. <laughs> I'm not offending you, Peter. You're the offense. You're the one. And he didn't say what you said was an offense. He said, you're an offense. <laughs> Get thee behind me. Kind of interesting. But the Lord put him straight. But I, but I say that to remind you that this rebuke thing doesn't mean you dress them down. It doesn't mean you chew them up and spit them out. It should be done with honor. And because of that, it's possible that you could actually rebuke someone who's an authority in your life. That's scary, but it's true. Because it can be done with honor, all right? I say that because sometimes I've heard this. I've heard a wife say, well, you know, the husband, he's the, he's the head of the household, and I didn't think I should be able to say anything. What do you mean you shouldn't be able to say it's a, it's This is supposed to be happening. If there's an offense, this is the way to handle the offense. Stop hiding behind ignorance, and let's do what the Bible says, right? And just kind of reminding you of these things. When the person who is offended is rebuked and has done wrong, he's supposed to repent. You're the one now who has done the offending. You have said something, you've done something that offended another person. When you've been confronted with what you've done wrong, you're supposed to repent. Repent, all right? And uh, the word repent means with understanding. In other words, understanding that what you was, have done was wrong. Taking responsibility for doing wrong. Not offering apology or excuse. Boy, we get messed up. We get in this apology mode. An apology, by the way, means a defense. And we're really good at giving defenses for our behavior. I'm, I, I know, I'm sorry I talked to you that way. I, I, I didn't get any sleep last night. I'm sorry, honey, that I, I bit your head off when I walked in, but I had a bad day at work. Stop it. Repent. If you've done wrong, you've done wrong. Don't make excuse for doing wrong. Just accept that you've done it and admit that it's wrong. And when that person repents, go back to the person who's been offended, 
when that person repents, we are to forgive them. Well, what does that mean? Wow. Well, what did it mean when Jesus forgave you? What did it mean when Jesus forgave you? He said this, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. He makes a choice. He doesn't say I'll forget them because I don't think that's, I think forgetting is more of a passive thing than it is an active thing. Jesus is active. God is active in forgiving. I will remember them no more against you. And I think he's God. He does remember. In fact, we understand he does because he records some sins that people did in the eternal word of God. But he chooses not to remember them against them anymore. It just comes to my mind, isn't that exactly what happened with David? David, God said, I found him a man after my own heart. But look at what David did. God forgave him. God forgave him. And so when we tell someone... I forgive you. What we're saying is I promise not to bring it up anymore. And let's just kind of broaden this out a little bit. Not to bring it up to you, not to bring it up to others, not to bring it up to God, if you will, and not to bring it up to yourself. Boy, when your mind starts thinking about it, you got to remember, wait a minute, that's forgiven, that's done, that's taken care of. Don't you do that with the forgiveness the Lord's given you? Doesn't, uh, is, isn't it happening in your life once in a while you remember and you start feeling guilt over things God, you've already confessed to God? Don't you have to say, wait a minute, it's under the blood. It's taken care of. It's done. And it reminds yourself of those things. You have two people here, the offender and the offended. I want you to notice something. In verse 3, when he says those first words, who does he address? The person who does the offending or the person who will, will get offended? Look at what it says. Take heed to yourselves. He's not saying, watch out, there's offenders out there. He's saying, watch out for yourself. (laughs) Take heed, beware of yourself. Be on guard for how you're going to respond when those offenses come. Because they're going to come. They're going to come. There's an old song. Some of you may be old enough to remember it. It's not my mother. It's not my brother, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's not all those other people out there who are needing help. It's me. I'm the one who needs help. I've got to take heed to myself about how I'm going to respond when these things happen. So with that simple understanding, I want us to learn a few things quickly from the passage about forgiveness. And by the way, nearly every time I preach around my daughter and her kids, one of them, somebody always reminds me of something Dr. Hardy said. There's no such thing as a bad short sermon. (laughs) And I have been reminded so anyway, so I just want you to know. (laughs) to the disciples what Jesus told them must probably in my mind sounded to them like an unreasonable commandment the commands here are hard listen again 
Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. The commands here are, are hard. They are hard. The command to rebuke the offender is hard. I've been there. I know you've probably been there. When someone has done something that offends you, it's like you're saying, why do I even have to mess with this? It's not, I, I didn't ask for this. It's hard because now all of a sudden you have a responsibility towards this person who just offended you. This is hard. The command to repent is hard. You know what? We're not bent to repent. I got to write that down. That sounded really cool. Anyway, we're not bent to repent, right? We're bent to, to you know, to, uh, to, to glorify ourselves. We're, we're bent to make excuses, to justify ourselves. The command to forgive is hard. You know, sometimes we'd like to wreak a little uh, vengeance. We'd like to see them suffer a little bit for the way they've hurt us. So these are hard commands. But to me, that's probably not the thing that the disciples looked at as the hardest. There's one here that seems, I mean, less humanly speaking, extremely unreasonable. The command to forgive a repentant offender seven times in a day. In fact, Jesus took it beyond that. In Matthew 18, Peter said, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Till seven times? I think Peter's probably saying, do I really have to get all the way to seven? Jesus said, Peter, 70 times seven. <laughs> kind of blew him out of the water, didn't it, And uh, in, in this thing. So this seven times in a day thing has some issues. It's not going to take seven times in a day for me being offended that I'm going to get, that's, you know, for me to before I get very frustrated. It's not going to take seven times in a day for me being offended before I get very irritated it's not going to take seven times in a day of me getting offended before I lose my patience. That's why when I look at this command through the flesh, I see it as maybe unreasonable. Follow with me. I get up in the morning, breakfast hasn't even happened. Before breakfast, I am offended. They repent, I rebuke. They repent, I forgive. I get to breakfast. They offend, I rebuke, you know, and, and they repent and I forgive. Now it's the time between breakfast and lunch. Baptists understand these, these kind of illustrations really well. Between breakfast and lunch, and they offend me. I rebuke them, they repent, I forgive them. We get to lunch, guess what's going to happen? They offend me, I rebuke them, they repent I forgive them. Now we're in that afternoon period, you know, and we're tired and between lunch and dinner and, and they offend me again. I rebuke them. They repent. I forgive them. We're not done. I get to dinner. 
guess what's going to happen? It's going to happen again. They offend me. I rebuke them. They repent. I forgive them. The day's not over. One more time, they offend me. And I kill them! <laughs> That's kind of what I might want to do. But I'm to rebuke them, and if they repent, to forgive them. Right. See what I'm saying? It kind of almost seems unreasonable. It seems like, yeah, Lord, increase our faith. Yeah, right. Hmm. This is not over. Seven times in a day. You know what happens tomorrow? <gasps> Another day starts. Are you following with me? Yes, sir. Seven times in a day equals 14 times in two days. 21 times in three days. Wow, you say, that's a little unreasonable. Hmm, I wonder how many times with God he's thought, you know, Marshall, it's a little unreasonable that you keep doing this. But he does, does forgive me. Right. <laughs> Is there anybody here that's willing to admit that they've sinned seven times in a day? Fourteen times in two days? Right. I mean, let's just think about this. Yes. Wow. So I'm just saying this seems, humanly speaking, a little unreasonable. So that's why we get to this seemingly spiritual reply. Lord, I can just see them doing this thing with their hands. I don't know why. It just, it just seems like, Lord, increase our faith. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Peter pulls out a cross and... <laughs> in essence they're saying that only a person of great faith could do this I would have to grow way beyond where I'm at right now in my Christian life to do something so great Lord you would have to do a great work in my life I would need you to infuse a lot of faith in me that I don't have right now some of you might be thinking the same thing at this point. It's a little unreasonable. It would take a lot of faith. You'd have to be a really great Christian to do something so wonderful. They are in essence saying this is only something that the most mature Christian could ever do. Sounded spiritual. But here's what I think it sounded like to God. This is an unreasonable command, Lord. I think to God it sounded like, I don't know if I could ever grow to the point where I could do something so hard and so difficult, Lord. I, I think to God it sounded like, Lord, don't you remember I'm just a human? Lord, did you notice how bad the offense was? Actually, it wasn't a very spiritual response at all. It revealed a lack of spirituality and faith. 
It revealed a lack of spirituality and faith. Make note of this. Unwillingness to obey the Lord in any area of our lives, especially in the area of forgiveness, is obstinacy. It's like that word in the Bible, rebellion, which is as the sin of witchcraft. Unwillingness to obey the Lord in any area. This is a matter of obedience, is what it is. It really comes down to a matter of faith. The flesh may see it as unreasonable, but the master sees it as a must, as something he commands us to do. So it becomes a matter of obedience. So how did Jesus respond to this? We're just going to look at one aspect of his response tonight. Look at verse 6. The Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. It doesn't take a great amount of, of faith to do this. Jesus said, You can do great things with just a little bit of Faith, faith the size of a mustard seed. In my study, my, uh, you know, search of all of this, I discovered this, that they say that a mustard seed is usually between four one-hundredths to eight one-hundredths of an inch. One to two millimeters. It's like, in my mind, I just see this happening they're saying, Lord, increase our faith. And he's going, what? If you just had that much faith, right. you could say to that sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and cast into the sea and it would obey you. Wow. Some interesting things to think about. The sycamine tree is known for having a very deep and great root system. I believe Jesus is illustrating what bitterness does in our lives. That root of bitterness gets in there. The sycamine tree is known for having a deep and great root system. It can stand 30 feet high. You know, usually a 30 feet high tree is easy to see. It's not a bonsai tree. It's a 30 foot tree. You ever seen somebody walking around with a 30-foot tree growing out of them? Don't you think you'd notice them? It would affect everything they do, and that's exactly what well, bitterness does. I mean, it, it, some of you, I say some of you, there are people, I should say, because I don't know all of you, but there are people who are so bitter in their lives at wrongly handling offenses that they walk around. It's like they've got this 30-foot tree in their life and, you know, it affects everything they do. It affects everything they do. It produces, this sycamine tree produces a fig like the mulberry tree. It's not similar in shape to that mulberry fig, but it's a cousin of that fig. As I was reading, it said the mulberry fig is sweet while the sycamine tree fig is Bitter. Oh, the bitter fruit in our lives when bitterness controls us. It's amazing. By the way, it's also said to grow with very little water. It doesn't take a whole lot 
for that bitterness in your life to just grow. It's amazing, isn't it, how that happens? Huh. According to what Jesus said, it's not going to take a whole lot of faith even to get rid of that tree. Did you hear what he said? Let's do it again. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might send to the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Jesus said, it's only going to take you this much. Faith. What is faith, by the way? It's obedience. Faith is nothing without obedience. We're saved by faith, right? And, uh, but listen to what it says in Hebrews 4, verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith and them that heard it. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but it doesn't become faith to us until we obey it. We, hey, we got saved when we obeyed the gospel. We heard the call. We answered the call. We repented and trusted Christ as our Savior. And I'm telling you, this is a matter of obedience. This forgiveness thing that seems so hard is nothing more than a matter of obedience. Just doing what the Master says. It's not doing what the flesh deems is reasonable. It's just doing what the master commands. And when we obey, it shows that we know the master would never command us to do something that's not the right thing for us to do. He would never command you to do something that's not the right thing for you to do. He would never command us to do something we could not do. It is totally within our ability to do what he tells us to do. And it shows this more than anything else. He is the master. He is the master. We live for him. We live by him. We live for him. We should obey him. Forgiveness is nothing more than, than a promise to not bring it up again anymore. Again, Jesus said, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Obedience is not about feelings. Some of us think, well, I'll forgive when I feel like it. Do you know I obey a lot of things I don't feel like? Nearly every day of my life, I obey the alarm clock, but I don't feel like it. I don't get up in the morning when that alarm clock goes off and get out of bed and go, man, I'm such a hypocrite. I don't feel like getting up and I'm getting up. People think, oh, I'm a hypocrite if I forgive somebody and I don't feel like it. Hey, you moms, it's Mother's Day. Some of you are in the midst of it now. Some of you remember back in those diaper-changing years. Did you change those diapers because you felt like it? <laughs> Were you a hypocrite because you've changed them even though you didn't feel like it? Listen, we don't have to think we have to feel something to obey God. We just have to decide we're going to do what he says. So you're offended. You know what the Lord commands you to do? To rebuke. I, I think maybe there's some understanding. I don't mean, you know, if your husband squeezes the toothpaste in the middle of the tube. 
Okay. Uh, okay, Lord, help me. I'm going to have to rebuke him. There's some things that are covered by love, right, that we understand that we don't have to deal with. But there are some things sometimes that are an offense that need to be dealt with. And if there's an offense in your heart, you take offense to that, then it should be dealt with. It's exactly what he's saying. You're offended and so you are to rebuke. You're with honor. You're supposed to help that person understand that what they did, you considered it to be wrong and you took offense to that. There could be an explanation for it. I was reading the story about these uh, two girls in a church that were two young ladies, I should say, who were great friends and, and one of them went on a trip and she was gone for a few weeks and it was the day she got back and it was a church service and so her friend was sitting on one side of the church and the friend who had gotten back was on the other side of the church and this friend over here was so excited to see their friend, see how when the, the trip, went, trip went and, and so she went running up to her friend and, and she said, hey, it's so good to see you and her friend put her finger up in her nose and just walked out really fast. She was so offended. And she went to her and she said, why did you treat me like that? I was so offended. She said, I got a cold and my nose was running. I didn't have anything to catch it. Sometimes your offenses are about that silly. Yeah, that's right. But if you, don't, if you don't tell them, you're not going to get the understanding, right? That's right? But sometimes they have done wrong. And hey, listen, when you have done wrong, repent. Yeah. Repent. Just admit you've done wrong. You don't have to feel it. My wife and I, we don't have yelling and screaming things. I mean, we don't. I don't, I don't, in my whole, our whole entire marriage life, it's not been, we've not yelled and screamed at each other and all that kind of stuff. But the woman has disagreed with me once or twice. <laughs> I try in the morning, you know, my first thoughts, I want my first thoughts to go to the Lord even before I talk to my wife. But this happened a few years ago. You know, and so my way I would I get up, I go to where I have my time with the Lord in the morning. And there's only the two of us in the house, so I go into the front of the house, and I'm there. And so, anyway, before I got out of bed, we had words. She said something, and I responded to what she said because I didn't like what she said. And I got out of bed thinking, man, I can't believe her. And I'm walking down the hall. I mean, I've taken like five steps, and I heard the Lord saying, I'm not going to listen to a word you have to say till you get right. And in my mind, I'm going, but it was her fault. <laughs> and it's like the Lord, in my mind, he said, yeah, but you didn't respond right. So get right. If you want to talk to me, you need to get that right. So I stopped, kind of closed my eyes. <laughs> get out of my mind. I went back and I said to her, I didn't say, you know, you said what you said was wrong. And, and so I responded wrong. I just said, will you forgive me? for the way I responded. And she said, will you forgive me for what I said? We forgave each other, and that was it. And we, we I mean, do you understand the point? Yes. The Lord, you know, it, 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 this thing can't hinder the prayer life. Yeah. Hey, listen, so you are offended, you rebuke. Hey, when you're rebuked, repent, and then when someone repents to you, forgive. Make that promise not to bring it up again. It's simple. This is what we're learning here tonight.
We're to forgive, remember, based on what Jesus Christ did for us. Even as Christ, for God's sake, hath forgiven us. Listen, you say, I look at them and I'm so upset, but don't look at them. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Yeah, he forgave me. (laughs) He forgave me a whole lot more than that. I know a whole lot more bad about me than I do anybody else. He forgave me. I can forgive them based on what he has done. I've heard people say, and I'm just about done. I've heard people say, well, I, I, I want to see the fruits of repentance before I forgive them. Okay, but remember, you can do this seven times in a day. So what fruit are you looking for? I've heard people say, well, I may have done wrong, but they're too easily offended. Well, then that should something you should deal with them about. Right? I mean, I, there are people that get offended over things they shouldn't get offended about. Right? Have you ever done that? I, I have. You know, uh, they used to say you're wearing your feelings on your sleeve. You know, just waiting for somebody to do something. So you can, you know, we need to be careful about that. Let me close with this, and I think probably you've heard this illustration before, but anyway, uh, my son, uh, his uh, two oldest boys, uh, when they were younger, uh, were being like brothers, and the elder did something to hurt the younger. So my son and his wife were trying to teach their son and their sons how to deal with offenses. So they got the elder to ask the younger to forgive him for doing wrong. And so he did. When the younger heard that, he said, I ask you to forgive me, I was wrong. The younger replied this way, I forgive you, but you're going to (laughs) pay. Sorry, you failed. Sorry, you failed. We have to learn to obey and do what the Lord Jesus Christ said to do. Let me tell you, there is consequences for not forgiving. When Peter asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive until seven times? And the Lord said, 70 times seven. Do you remember the Lord went into that story about the man who owed the king uh, 10,000 talents? Some say, estimate that to be like three and a half billion dollars. The king called him in and, and, he, and, and he said, oh king, forgive me and, and I'll pay it all. Seriously? The king realized he couldn't do it. The king had compassion on him and forgave him the entire debt. But that same man who had been forgiven of that huge debt went out and found a man that owned him, owed him 100 talents. Or 100 pence, I'm, I think is what it is. Which is like $15, $18. So he, uh, this man who's been forgiven, takes this man And the man says, be patient with me, I'll forgive it all. And he wouldn't. He had him cast into debtor's prison. It's a good example of what you and I have been forgiven. Hey, when we got saved, he forgave it all. He forgave a debt we could not pay. It's gone. How dare us go try to hold someone else by the neck for some offense that's not measurable to what he's forgiven us. For that. And by the way, listen to what the Lord said at the end of that story. His Lord was wroth. When the Lord heard what had happened, the Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors 
till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. There's a lot of Christians that are living under the tormentors today because they're unwilling to forgive their brother. We need to learn to forgive. And by the way, it's worse when the tormentors are in the home. The home is where this should be practiced and learned and perfected. It's terrible when there's that torment in the home of unforgiveness. There might be some husbands and wives. Their relationship is somewhat tormented because of this very thing. We need to practice what the Lord told us to do. He knows best for you and for me. Let's bow our heads tonight. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.